This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where hundreds of researchers make new discoveries inspired by the work of previous Dana-Farber scientists. Learn more about their momentum at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Hey, it's Ophira. In the original version of this episode, we mistakenly said that the inventor and television personality Ron Popeil, who popularized the Vegomatic, was deceased. That is totally incorrect. He is alive. Thank you. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Ophira. So today we're playing a game about ethics. Mm -hmm. So let's warm up with a philosopher and movie mashup speed round. Okay. First, an existentialist philosopher teams up with a talking raccoon to fight aliens. Ah, you're talking about Soren Kierkegaardians of the galaxy. Yes. Uh Try this, a Richard Linklater comedy about an ancient Chinese philosopher. Uh, Is that Dazed and Confucius? Yes. Can you think of any more of these... Uh, no, I Emmanuel can't. <laughs> from NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We've got a great show for you. Four brilliant contestants are backstage signing NDAs. They're here to play our nerdy games, but only one will be our big winner. And our special guest is actor William Jackson Harper. He stars on The Good Place, where he plays an ethics professor who helps his friends become better people in the afterlife, which feels like a little late to me. It's like learning to dance after the prom or going into couples counseling right after you get a divorce. Uh, But good call setting this sitcom in the afterlife, since we all know jokes are no longer possible in reality. (laughs) Let's first meet our contestants. First up, Rebecca Shoemake on buzzer number one. You're a writer and math tutor. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Your opponent is Cesar Martinez on buzzer number two. You're a stylist for a custom menswear brand. Welcome. Glad to be here. So, Rebecca and Caesar, the first of you who wins two of our games will go on to our final round. Let's start with a guessing game called Memorabilia for Realia. <laughs> Jonathan and I will describe a piece of celebrity memorabilia. You just have to tell us if it's real or something that we made up. We're going to go back and forth, so no need to ring in. Here we go. Rebecca, at the Museum of Yoga... In Rio de Janeiro, check out Shakira's yoga mat. Her hips don't lie, but they do lie down. (laughs) Real or fake? Fake. Yeah, that's fake. That's fake. (laughs) It's uh, a bit of a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) Caesar, at the Smithsonian Museum of American History in Washington, D.C., it slices, it dices, it's a genuine vegomatic. Real or fake? Real. Yeah, that's totally real. Rebecca, at Arnold Schwarzenegger's childhood home in Austria, you can view some of his first dumbbells. Real or fake? I really want that to be real. It's been granted. Your wish has been granted. <laughs> yeah, it's real. He, did you, he had no electricity or running water growing up. So you can also view his family's pit toilet, <laughs> which is an indoor outhouse. Is that a big attraction, you think, at the museum? If the dumbbells are. Yeah. Caesar, at the Cold War Museum in Warrington, Virginia, the socks David Hasselhoff wore when he performed on top of the Berlin Wall. Real or fake? Ugh. Fake. Yeah, that's fake. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you guys are getting by with uh, just wishing what you... Yeah. 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 All right, these are your last clues. Rebecca, at the famous Endings Museum in Dover, Ohio... A program from Lucille Ball's funeral. Real or fake? Real? Yeah, that's real. Yep. (sighs) Caesar, at the Quail Vice Presidential Learning Center, (laughs) you'll find Dan Quail's law degree, which was chewed up by his dog Barnaby. (gasps) Is that real or fake? Mm, Fake? No, that's real. That's a real thing. Yeah, Yeah. more troubling, the entire thing is real. All of it's real. (laughs) (laughs) 
the museum's motto used to be second to one. Mm. <laughs> Puzzle guru Archung, how did our contestants do? It was a close game. Rebecca, well done. You're one step closer to the final round. Our next game is about what happens to rock stars when they have toddlers and need to make music their kids can listen to. All right, let's check in with our contestants. Rebecca, if someone Googles you, something kind of odd comes up. Can you tell us about this? (laughs) Yes. uh, There's a hate article about me by um, some squirrel rights activists. (laughs) (laughs) What happened between you and the squirrel? So uh, my sophomore year of college, I left a window cracked over Christmas break, and I came back to my room destroyed by squirrels. Uh, And I happened to be a writer for the college newspaper at the time, so I wrote an article about how I hate squirrels. And I guess the squirrel rights people have alerts for that kind of thing, because... um, (laughs) (laughs) For the first time in a long time, they're like, get up, everybody! Red alert! Red alert! It's happening! Just out of curiosity, how did you know it was squirrels? Um, there was a tree outside my window mm-hmm. that was full of squirrels, okay. so I guess I profiled because yeah. it might not. <laughs> this is all circumstantial squirrel. evidence. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Caesar, you have a very ambitious fun goal for the year. Yes. So I'm a born and bred New Yorker. I recently Googled, and there are about like 80 to 90 museums in the city, and I've only been to about five. So I'm trying to go and visit every single museum in the city in under a year. Okay. Yes, and, and uh, how's it going? Uh, right I'm still at five. Still five. <laughs> so far, so good. Still time? Mm-hmm. Let's go to your next game. Rebecca, what was the first album you ever purchased? I think that it was probably a Broadway Kids album. <laughs> good. <laughs> Where yep. kids sing the hits of Broadway. Yeah. Caesar, what was the first album you ever purchased? Unfortunately, it was Now That's What I Call Music 7. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we have an audio quiz for you called Tunes for Tots. Many famous performers have released lesser-known works aimed at younger audiences. We'll play you a kid's song by a well-known artist. Ring in and tell us the artist. Rebecca, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're in the final round. Caesar, you need to win this, or you're going to have to sit through a middle school jazz concert. (laughs) Here we go. This musician is in both the rock and roll and country halls of fame. Dinosaurs lived a long time ago. They were terrible lizards, don't you know? Some ate plants and some ate meat. Some ate fish and some ate beets. <laughs> he shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Caesar. Trying cash? Yes! That's right. That's how dinosaurs went extinct. They fell into the burning ring of fire. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, an ode to beanbags. I'm a beanbag, a beanbag, a squishity, squashity beanbag. Squish, squash, oh golly, oh gosh, I love you. Clearly about body acceptance. <laughs> also known as the first lady of song. Mmm. You can just guess. There's no, you know. Okay, I'll bite. Rebecca. Uh, Aretha Franklin. Good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We said there's no penalty. We said there's no penalty. I'm sorry that is incorrect. Thank you for guessing, Rebecca. (laughs) Caesar, do you want to throw something in there? I know it's wrong. I'm just going to say Nancy Sinatra. I don't know. Okay. It's just. No problem. I know. (laughs) It's okay. I am going to, you know what? I'm going to buy each of you your second album. (laughs) That was Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, okay. I know. I know. It's okay. It's okay. This clip is from an animated children's show. So everybody do the crayon, crayon. Everybody do the crayon, crayon. He's half of the hip-hop duo... Outcast. 50-50 here. <laughs> no. 
there's a number in his name. <laughs> it's a big number. There's a number in his name. <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch them suffer. (laughs) We were looking for Andre 3000. Oh, Oh, damn it. Okay. It's okay. It's all right. Okay, we have a couple more. Plenty of time. Okay. (laughs) This legendary singer-songwriter co-wrote a children's musical with Maurice Sendak. She's also the subject of the Broadway show Beautiful. Mm. Rebecca. Carol King. Yes. All right, here's your last clue. This American icon was apparently a picky eater growing up in New Jersey. Yeah, when I was a little kid, see, I never liked to eat. And mama put things on my plate and I'd dump them on her feet. He was born in the USA and also sings songs for the newly born. Caesar. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, that's correct. Puzzler Archung, how did our contestants do? Well done, Caesar. You won that game. So you each won a game. It's time for a quick game three. I'm going to give you a category, and you'll go back and forth naming things that fall into that category. The first contestant to mess up will be eliminated. Buzz in to answer first. Here's your category. Name the 14 TV shows that won the Emmy for Outstanding Comedy Series from 1990 to 2017. Caesar, you're up. Frasier? Frasier, correct. Five times. Rebecca? Modern Family? You are correct. Also five times. Caesar? Friends. That's correct. Once, 2002. Rebecca? Veep? Veep, three times. Uh, Caesar. Mm, Silicon Valley? No, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. The other answers were 30 Rock, Ally McBeal, Arrested Development, Cheers, Everybody Loves Raymond, Murphy Brown, The Office, Seinfeld, Sex and the City, and Will and Grace. Caesar, we're sorry to see you go. Rebecca, you're headed to the final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Rebecca in our final round, and actor William Jackson Harper, who plays a fictional ethicist, will play a game with a real-life ethicist from the New York Times. But is it ethical to treat ethics? This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Dana-Farber scientists laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, new drugs that are increasing the survival rate for many advanced breast cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. This message comes from Capital One, presenting sponsor of the 2024 Tiny Desk Contest. Earlier this year, unsigned musicians from around the country submitted their original songs for the 10th annual Tiny Desk Contest. The panel of judges are hard at work picking standout entries, and you can follow along and choose your favorite videos as well. The winner gets to play their very own Tiny Desk concert, then headline a tour with NPR Music this summer. Want to come along for the ride? Visit tinydeskcontest.npr.org to learn more, then check out the Venture X card from presenting sponsor Capital One. Earn unlimited 2x miles on everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Look for clues in beekeeping, grammar, and in my 74-year-old mom's desire to jump out of an airplane. All right, guys, I'm going to start getting load one trained up. I'm so excited. I'm Hannah Rosen. Join us. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Archon. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. You know him from the NBC sitcom, The Good Place. Please welcome William Jackson Harper. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Welcome to Ask Me Another. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. 
So you play the ethicist Cheaty on The Good Place, a fantasy sitcom about a heaven-like utopia designed to reward people for being good in life. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so where were you at in your life when you received the call for an audition for this? I was in the basement of my feelings. Yeah. Um, I had actually sort of given up the idea, given up on the idea of being an actor. I, uh, I was like, you know, I've been doing a lot of theater here in the city for a lot of years, and I was, uh, I was, you know, living with a whole bunch of dudes, and yeah. I was 35, and I was like, you know, I think I've been fair to this profession. I think it's time to move along and try to find some stability. So I, was, I went back out. Uh, I went out to L.A. for pilot season, sort of, you know, ready to go all in one more time. And if it all went terribly, that's fine. I'm, I'm, out, I'm out anyway. And uh, actually, when I got the call that I got the job, I was watching uh, the pilot episode of Cheers. And what did you think of uh, as a possible other career? Oh, I, I was, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I was, uh, I mean, I had sort of told myself, like, you know, you'll, I can go and do the, the teaching thing, I guess, but, I mean, as more of like a don't let this happen to you kind of, like, not as a teacher, but like as in, like, look at this career that I made. You don't want this. Do something different from what I did. And then, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, other than that, I, I, had, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, me too. I'm glad it worked out. And then you get the role of this character, uh, Chidi, who is an ethicist, which the moral center of the show, and also we don't often see ethicists on television or in sitcoms especially, yeah. so I imagine you get feedback from philosophers, ethicists that are pretty excited to be represented on television. Yeah, you know, I get the occasional, like, shout-out on Twitter, you know? Yeah. Um, and people wanted to ask me questions about ethics. Is oh, if, they, they treat you like you're oh, yeah, the character. Like, like, oh, you must really study all this. And I'm like, I, I really do not. And um, I'm woefully underqualified to, to answer any question you may have. So, it's like, so, yeah. And when people are asking you your advice on Twitter, what kinds of things are they asking you? I mean, is it personal or is it more broad questions? Uh, it's sort of broad questions. Sometimes it'll just be like a, a, a shot of their textbook and just asking me for help. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, you know, no, sir. Right. I can't help. Well, for a sitcom, it has, I think, more plot twists. I mean, that's not usual for a sitcom to no, have no. crazy plot twists. And a lot of things happen to you. Yeah. yeah a lot of things. I mean, at yeah. the end, end of season two, they really put you through the ringer. Well, yeah. Were you terrified to receive a script? I, I mean, <laughs> after the blood cannon, yeah. Um, <laughs> if... The blood cannon, there's, yes. There's, there's, I mean, you know, there's an episode called The Trolley Problem in which I, I run over a bunch of workers and I'm covered in blood and guts and gore. And in order to achieve that effect, they shot me in the face and mouth with, with a blood cannon. Um, so it's like all like Carol syrup and food coloring and little pieces of foam and... Um, yeah, yeah, that was, I mean, after that, I was like, oh, God, what are they going to do? And, and then, then, oh, then the subsequent week, yeah, that was, that was the acupuncture week, and they, um, they said to me, hey, man, um, so we're, we have this joke that we want to do in the next episode with you and, and needles. Would you, would you go out to this acupuncturist, and we'll just, you know, we'll let him, you know, like, just stab you up, and... And we'll take some pictures and see if, how, it, how it looks. And so they, they drove me out to this acupuncturist, and he put 50 needles in my face. Oh, and he laughed what? while he was doing it. <laughs> when they start with, we want to do this thing with you and needles, were you like, no? <laughs> like, what? Um, were you like, okay. You know, 
you're just never ready for that question. <laughs> right. You know, you're like, you're never, like, I could have said, like, I mean, anything. But I, but instead I was just sort of like, oh, yeah, no, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just, because I, I just want to be a team player. <laughs> you know, you know, comedy. <laughs> So before The Good Place, you had a reoccurring role in the children's series The Electric Company. Yeah. So you played a character named Danny Rebus, who teaches vocabulary to us. Yeah. To me, that seems like a a very fun gig. I loved that show as a kid. It was, like, smart and interesting as a children's show. I don't know what it was like to work on it. That was so much fun. It was, um, you know, you feel like you're actually doing some tangible good as far as, you know, as much tangible good that I think that an actor can do. You're just like, I am helping kids learn. I'm doing that. Yeah, when kids recognize you from that, are they scared of you or are they excited? They're generally excited. I mean, now those kids are big. They're like, (laughs) some guy will come in and be like, hey man, I used to watch you when I was a child. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) You know, it's like, All right, are you ready for an Ask Me Another Challenge? Sure. Fantastic. You play a fictional ethicist on The Good Place, so for your game, we found the real-life version. (laughs) (laughs) He writes the ethicist column in the New York Times Magazine. Please welcome world-renowned ethicist Kwame Anthony Appiah. Thanks. Welcome. Such a pleasure. How does one end up an ethicist? Uh, Mostly by mistake. (laughs) Um, I mean, I do work on ethics, but the ethicist does something that most ethicists don't do. That's right. Which is actually answer people's questions about how to live their lives. (laughs) Most ethicists have big theories about how to live their life, but they don't actually... uh, First of all, I know many of them, and there are many of them living terrible lives, so they're not doing a perfectly good job of it, but uh, no, I mean, theoretical ethics theoretical ethics is, 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 is sort of theoretical, it's a, it's a branch of philosophy so I, I wasn't sure when I agreed to do it that I was going to be able to help anybody, mostly I probably don't but, uh, but I do I think, at least I give my, my readers something to read on a Sunday morning <laughs> So this is going to be Fantastic. Uh, so, William, your game is called Can or Can't. <laughs> Before the show, we posed everyday ethical dilemmas to Anthony. So we're going to pose these dilemmas to you. All you have to do is answer honestly, and then Anthony will tell you what the right answer is. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> and if you do well enough, listener Vanessa George, all the way from the faraway city of New York, will win and ask me another Rubik's Cube. <laughs> okay, here we go. William, what is your take on re-gifting? Uh, I, um, you've done it? You know, actually, I have not. Okay. I have, I have never re-gifted. I should probably give more gifts, <laughs> but <laughs> I, have, I have never re-gifted. Okay, so then I guess you, you yeah, think so I have no, you're yeah. against it. I, I, I guess so. I mean, I guess if I, if, I, if I was a more charitable person, I would have a context to answer this. But I, I think being the stingy clown that I am, um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't re-gift. All right. Anthony, what's your answer? I think my answer is if somebody gives you a gift, it's yours. And you're free to do with it whatever you like. Uh, however... However, you should try to do so in a way that doesn't give offense. Sure. So just not to the uh, same person. Just not to the same person. Yeah, you should keep track. <laughs> <laughs> All right, William, this is, uh, this is where it gets serious. You suspect your partner of having an affair. Is it okay to snoop on their phone to find evidence? Um... <laughs> <laughs> William is leaning backwards in almost a yoga wheel, I believe. Um, no, I don't think it is. Not necessarily for any sort of uh, moral reason. I think it's more just for peace of mind as well as um, letting the conflict, if it is going to occur, actually occur organically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and genuinely. Yeah. Also, I think that I would lose any sort of 
moral uh, high ground. I would That's forfeit true. that. There's a lot of people in agreement and a lot of people just thinking about their own past and thinking how they could have done it differently. <laughs> All right, Anthony, what's your answer? Well, my answer is that if your relationship is in a condition where that's the sort of thing you want to do, it's already in deep trouble. And so it's already, in a certain sense, over. You know, if it's reached that point, I think you should say, here's something wrong. I, I'm worried about whether you're being unfaithful to me. I think that's better than going behind someone's back because then you've... Suppose you find nothing. I should say that my, my husband is there, so um, he knows that he can now get away with anything he likes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here is your last question. William, you're in high school. Is it okay to let someone copy off of your homework if they didn't have time to complete it the night before? I mean, no, but... <laughs> you seem like a yes. You seem like a Yes. <laughs> No, I mean, cause, because like, what if they have to work? You know, it's, it's like, I, I mean, you know, I had, I had that high school job where, you know, you're getting back at like 10, 11 o'clock and you just, you don't have time to do things. And so if we're being rigid about it, I guess like, no, but, you know. If we're being fast and loose. If we're being fast and loose, you know, I'll help somebody out. Okay. I'm going to say if your answer is kind of. <laughs> Depending on the circumstance, is that fair? Well, no, I mean, I, I guess, no, no, you're not supposed to do that. No. So, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Anthony, what's your answer? Well, no, though. Ooh. The person who's asking you is likely to be your friend. So there is... How cool are they? Right? <laughs> we don't know that. There's something to be said for helping out a friend in difficulty, but I don't know that this is a way of helping out a friend in difficulty because, in general, turns out you're not helping yourself very much by fooling the teacher into thinking you're doing work you're not doing, and you're not helping yourself very much because if you're not doing the work, you aren't actually developing the skills that you're supposed to be developing. So while it might seem like you're helping somebody in those circumstances, uh, you're usually not. But, but, but given what we, what we know, I, th- I think the answer is no, uh, uh, yes. No, yes. Yeah, you guys are exactly in agreement on that one. I have no idea how the scoring could possibly work for this game. Uh, but Puzzaker Archung, how did our special guests do? Congratulations, William. You, Anthony, and listener Vanessa George have all won. Ask me another Ruby's Cube. <laughs> Anthony writes the ethicist column in the New York Times Magazine. His upcoming book is called The Lies That Bind. William plays Cheedy on The Good Place. Let's hear for Kwame Anthony Appia and William Jackson Harper. <laughs> Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game is about initialisms, which are like acronyms, but less fun. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Danielle Miebert on buzzer number one. You're an administrator at NYU. Welcome. Thank you. Your opponent is Katie Edwards on buzzer number two. You're a mathematician at Bell Labs. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Remember, Danielle and Katie, the first of you who wins two of our games will go on to the final round. Let's go to your first game. Danielle, what text abbreviation do you use the most? In another life, I was an English teacher, so I... I don't like using abbreviations, so yeah. you'll probably see more likely to be seeing a semicolon from me thrown into a text. <laughs> nice! <laughs> Katie, what text abbreviation do you use the most? You know, I don't abbreviate much either, but I do use that emoji that's rolling its eyes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got a word game for you called Mary J.K. Blige. Every answer is a famous person who uses initials in their name, but we've replaced the initials with an initialism starting with the same letters. For an example, let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung. If we said, this architect is famous for designing the Louvre Pyramid and the website that lets you learn the full cast and crew of the Hannah Montana movie, you'd answer IMDb Pay. (laughs) <laughs> Replacing I am in the architect I am pay with I am DB. Ring in to answer. Here we go. This woman's suffrage leader once appeared on the dollar coin and famously advocated for two great causes, the 19th Amendment and the concept of taking your own booze to a party. 
Danielle. Susan B-Y-O-B Anthony? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Suffragettes know how to party, too. <laughs> this African-American author and educator founded Tuskegee University. He was also easily bored reading long chunks of text online and skipped right to the summaries. Uh, some hints about the person. In 1901, he was the first African-American to be invited to the White House by President Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. Yeah, all right. What were you looking for? The person was Booker TLDR Washington, and uh, TLDR means too long, didn't read. Fair enough. (laughs) This is a hard game. This is a hard game. It is a hard game. The author of Winnie the Pooh couldn't wait to turn 50 so he could qualify for that 10% discount at Outback Steakhouse. Katie. A-A-R-P Milne? Yeah, that's correct. Eeyore would be a great spokesman for A-A-R-P. <laughs> this actress always checks her tire pressure before she rides her bike to the set of Empire, where she plays Cookie Lion. Danielle. The actress is Taraji P. Henson, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing TPM for tire pressure monitoring? Good guess. That initialism doesn't start with the right letter. Katie, can you steal? Uh, it's T-P-S-I, and I don't remember the last name you just said. <laughs> Henderson? I know, you would have to work, you know, you each get a half a point, so that's fine. <laughs> Taraji P-S-I Henson is what we were looking for. P-S-I being pounds per square inch. That's right. This is your last clue. This Snakes on a Plane star formed a corporation to protect his personal assets in the event that someone tried to sue him over a Viper attack. Danielle. Samuel L.L.C. Jackson? That's right. (laughs) Art Chung, how did our contestants do? Another tough game. Congratulations, Danielle. You're one step closer to our final round. Why not be a contestant on our show? Go to amatickets.org and sign up to take our quiz. Coming up, our house musician will play music about houses, but it is not house music. What do you think? Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, the automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares how cash can be part of a balanced savings strategy for investors. Oftentimes, people think of their cash as the money they're using. But when there's a high rate environment, your cash can also be a form of savings. So savings can sit in your cash account and savings can sit in an investing account. And on average and over time, investments go up. But in a high interest rate environment, you can get a more predictable return in a high yield savings account. And so investors can choose both strategies, an investment strategy as well as a cash strategy to both protect your principal because cash doesn't go down the way markets can, but also to earn a high yield. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed, cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Check out my podcast, It's Been a Minute, where every Friday we catch up on the news and the culture of the week and try to make sense of it all. Listen on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcast. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton here with puzzle guru Art Chung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Danielle and Katie. Soon they'll play a music parody game. First, let's check in with our contestants. Danielle, you're a university administrator. Tell us what your job entails. A lot of calming students down, particularly undergraduates. Oh, yeah, they come and freaked out. Yeah, a lot of telling first-year students, no, we can't plan all four years of your schooling right now, but I'm happy to help you along the way. Oh, that's what they want to do? They want to just set out a whole plan? That's... Oh, by October 1st, they, yeah. Okay, so it's not I'm indecisive and I'm not sure where I'm headed. No, it's, it's I want to hit the ground running and you will help me wow. do so. <laughs> Ambitious, and you're like, no, 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 just see how you like just it. Just like, you know, calm down, you know, enjoy it a little bit. You know, we have, we have four years. Yeah, and they're like, no just... enjoyment. No. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you remind them about the future. Exactly. Very mm-hmm. good. Katie, you recently visited a UFO watchtower. I did. What is that? 
Well, so it's in the San Luis Valley. It's an area in Colorado where there historically have been a lot of UFO sightings. Uh-huh. So there's a woman who decided it might be profitable to turn her ranch into a watchtower for UFOs. And then you hang out and look for UFOs, right? Yeah, I didn't get to see any, unfortunately. <laughs> But it was cool. It was, yeah, it was cool. Are you often hunting for uh, UFOs or extra... Tra- no, no, not often. You're a math person, often. right? Yeah, yeah, you're a math person. No, this is yeah, interesting. Science, yeah. I believe you. What have you calculated? When is it coming? <laughs> it's not my field. <laughs> <laughs> Your next game is a music parody game called Singing Around the House. Danielle, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're in the final round. Katie, you need to win this, or we'll install a half bath in your home, but it's the wrong half. (laughs) We rewrote songs about houses to be about real famous homes. Ring in to tell me what home I'm singing about. And if you're right, you can earn a bonus point by telling me the original song or artist. You ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Palace. A hall with fancy mirrors. Our reign is really ending badly If those peasants don't like gruel Let them eat brioche Danielle Palace of Versailles Versailles, that's right For a bonus point, can you name the original song or artist? Uh, Talking Heads, Burning Down the House Yeah, that's right Okay, here we go says it's not built right it's over a creek but my cantilever is tight i can't be wrong i was born a frank lloyd Wright. danielle falling water falling water that's right frank lloyd wright house can you name the song or artist it's john bon jovi yeah it is it's called who says you can't go home because she's the ma ark She's waving weirdly, just letting her hand hang out. They call her Queen Liz. That lady reigns, wears great hats. She ain't holding Charles back. Danielle. Is it Buckingham Palace? It certainly is. Well done. Uh, Can you name the song or artist? I believe it's Brick House. It is Brick House, yes. Here's your next one. On the Potomac is a historical place where George and Martha can get together. Potomac, baby. Danielle. Is it the White House? It is not the White House. No. Do you know the answer, Katie? I do not. Okay. It's George Washington's place. Mount Vernon is what we were looking for. Nobody gets the bonus point. But it was the B-52's love shack. I was going to try to do an impression as a hint. Yeah, do it. Oh, right. False teeth. Wooded. (laughs) (laughs) The worst. Here above the clouds In California With the zebras I bought today Staring at the news The heralds, the journals While I count my fortune Play me Orson Call this Xanadu Citizen Kane Danielle I thought I knew it, but I'm now just going to guess the Neverland Valley Ranch. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Katie, don't make all the hard work I did learning this song for naught. (laughs) Do you know the house we're talking about? The home we're talking about? Is it just Neverland? Mm, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Uh, It was Hearst Castle. Man, I've been there. Was uh, uh, William Randolph Hearst was who the, uh, Citizen Kane was based on, so Xanadu was based on um, Hearst Castle. It doesn't matter. It's not important. <laughs> that was Our House by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. This is your last clue. You will be relieved to know. 
<laughs> there is a house in Tennessee that was the king's domain. It's where he shot a TV once and ate fried peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> Danielle. Graceland. Graceland, you got it. <laughs> Can you name the original song or artist? House of the Rising Sun? Yeah, that's right. Popularized by the animals. Puzzle Guru Chung, how did our contestants do? Well done, Danielle. You won both games and you're headed to the final round. While Rebecca and Danielle get ready for the final round, it's time for us to play a game. This is called Ask Me Another Again Later. Puzzle Guru Archung, explain how this works. Ophira, I'm going to ask you and Jonathan questions with a definitive yes or no answer. You'll each talk it out and give me your answer, then we'll ask a magic eight ball what it thinks. <laughs> we'll see who gets the most correct answers. Here's your first question. Fruit Loop cereal comes in the colors red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. However, are all Fruit Loops the same flavor? Ophira? First of all, I've never had Fruit Loops. I grew up in a family where we weren't allowed to have sugar. Oh, no sugar cereals. <laughs> no sugar cereals like Raisin Bran. We were like, oh my God. Um, Nature's candy, raisins. <laughs> but I'm going to say they're all 100% sugar. Like, how could they be that different in taste? I mean, flavors? Like, what are we talking about? What's blue? Blueberry? Come on now. Uh, they're the same. What's, what are the other ones? Green? What's green? Mint? <laughs> Zucchini? What's it supposed to be? Yeah, zucchini, blueberry, <laughs> yeah, what's acai the, berry, acai berry, lemon, mango, yum yum yellow, yum. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I feel like I probably several times in my life have tasted individual Fruit Loops <laughs> to see if they had a different flavor. Because this is a question that has occurred to me before in the past. At certain key times, of course it has. Yeah. So I'm sure that I have run this experiment several times, but I don't think I have. I don't think I have ever written down or remembered the results. <laughs> You don't have a serial Excel spreadsheet? <laughs> Not anymore. I lost it. Oh, well. I lost it in a fire. As I remember right now in my mind's mouth, the flavor <laughs> of a Fruit Loop, it is a general fake fruitiness. I, I, but I'm going to say they're all the same flavor. Okay, so to, to sum up, Ophira, are all Fruit Loops the same flavor? Yes, they are all the same flavor. Jonathan? Yeah, I say yes. All right, let's see what the Magic 8-Ball says. As I see it, Yes. And the real answer is yes. They're all the same flavor. The platypus is a very strange animal. It's a mammal, but it lays eggs. It's like a duck and a beaver and an otter all in one. And only one sex of platypus is venomous. Is the female platypus the one that's venomous? Jonathan, you're first. Well, knowing what I do about evolutionary biology... Uh, <laughs> from that Google search in your life. <laughs> yes. On the one hand, the male is traditionally the sex that goes out and, and fights. Do, do platypuses fight? I don't even know. But then also, there's a thing where sometimes the, the female has a sort of protective measure. So I would say, I'm going to say yes, that it is the female, under the assumption that the, the, there isn't a lot of fighting in platypus land. And mostly it is a defense mechanism that has evolved uh, to protect the platypus eggs. I just grossed myself out playing, <laughs> saying platypus <laughs> eggs. Ophira? All right. Well, you know what? Just for fun, I would say female because if I were part duck, beaver, uh, and otter, maybe I kind of am. I would be poisonous. Right? Yeah, why I would not? Be like, Throw it in. Yeah, exactly. All the things that people want, I'm yeah. going to need poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be different, I'm going to be like, you know what? I think the male would probably be so threatened by the entire platypi world. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I think the male platypus is the venomous one. Right. Let's see what the Magic 8-Ball thinks. Signs point to yes. So Jonathan said yes. Magic 8-Ball yes. said yes. Afira said no. The answer is no. The male platypus is venomous. That's right. Apparently, the platypus is one of very few venomous mammals, and venom is delivered by spurs on the male platypus' hind limbs. 
This animal gets more and more disgusting the more and more I learn about it. The tiny baby ones on YouTube, though. They're so cute. Mm. Yeah. All right, here's your next question. Do the French consume per capita more butter than Americans? Ophira, you're up. Um, Aren't Americans like 10% corn and soy or something like that? Like, aren't we mostly corn and soy? Our bodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah at this point, uh, and just based on that, yeah, I, I, w- I think the, I think we, all of our uh, cooking and the stuff that we eat is actually not using butter. I think there is a return, perhaps, to thinking about stuff, but we will use every other cheaper source of fat and oil. Uh, but the French, they, they are crazy about butter. So I believe that, um, yeah, the French consume per capita more butter than Americans. Oh. Yes. Yes, Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think of your. Think of a Parisian yeah. wandering out into the streets of Paris and going to the markets and just picking up what's fresh and local, the local bakery and the local buttery. <laughs> yeah. And you bring your loaf of bread home and mm-hmm. your butter home and you just eat bread and butter all night long. That's right. Drink, drink red wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think probably there's less processed food in France. And so if you're uh, all, of the, all the margarines that are happening here, most of them are not happening in France. And instead they're replaced with butter. Probably more butter in cooking. So, yeah, I'm going to say, bien sûr, <laughs> which means yes. All right, Magic 8-Ball says, my sources say no. Disagreeing. Oh. The can, ans- we, can we ask what its sources are? <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is yes. The French consume more, ca- more butter than Americans. Yeah. Turns out the French consume about 18 pounds of butter per person annually. Americans consume less than six pounds. So there you wow, go. A lot of butter. A lot of butter. That's the end of the game, and the winner is Ophira. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Rebecca Shoemake, who's an enemy of a squirrel rights activist. And Daniel Miebert, who uses semicolons in texts. Puzzler Archung, take it away. Danielle and Rebecca, your final round is called I Smell a Rat. Every answer contains the consecutive letters R-A-T somewhere in the answer, but those letters may or may not be pronounced rat. So if I said Kelvin, Fahrenheit, and Celsius are measurements of what, you'd answer temperature. Our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by William Jackson Harper. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Danielle is going first. Here we go. Danielle, this 2007 Disney Pixar movie won the Oscar for Best Animated Film. Ratatouille. That's right. Rebecca, this reptile uses the vibration of interlocking keratin rings to make its signature sound. Oh, a rattlesnake. That is right. Danielle, He was the first Latino cast member of Saturday Night Live when he joined the show in 1998. Horatio Sands? That is right. Rebecca, this news anchor retired from CBS Evening News in 2005. Dan Rather? That is correct. Danielle, this Middle Eastern nation goes by the initialism UAE. United Arab Emirates? That's right. Rebecca, this federal agency goes by the initialism F-D-A. The Food and Drug Administration. That is correct. Danielle, Grover Cleveland was the first president elected after the Civil War from this political party. Democrats? Uh, Yes, Democrat or Democratic Party. That is correct. Rebecca, a board game where children perform hilarious medical procedures on a patient named Cavity Sam. Operation. That is correct. We're at the halfway point. The game is tied at four points each. Danielle, according to Plato, this philosopher said, an unexamined life is not worth living. Shaking your head, three seconds. Uh, Herodotus? No, I'm sorry, we're looking for Socrates. Rebecca, mathematical concept known as phi, expressed in decimal form as 1.618033988 and so on. Oh, an irrational number. Could you be more specific? I don't know. What we were looking for was the golden ratio. Danielle, literary device where consecutive words have similar sounding starts. Oh, alliteration? That is right. Rebecca, medical pledge that boils down to first, do no harm. The Hippocratic Oath? That is correct. 
Daniel, French painter known for his technique of pointillism and his masterpiece, A Sunday on La Grande Jatée. Surratt? That is correct, George Surratt. Rebecca, this home furnishing chain opened its first outlet in Chicago in 1962. Crate and Barrel? That is correct. The score is tied at six points each. You each have one question left. Danielle, in November 2017, Charlene Flanagan became the first American woman since 1977 to win this New York City event. Uh, the marathon, New York City Marathon? That is correct. Rebecca, this is the last question you must answer correctly to stay in the game. From the Italian for innkeeper or restaurant owner, what word refers to a restaurant that serves Italian cuisine? Oh, oh no, um, uh, Trattoria. That is correct, well done. You guys are doing great. Here's our tiebreaker, hands on your buzzer. It's a type of German sausage. Danielle. Bratwurst? That is correct, congratulations. Rebecca, amazing. Thank you so much. Well done. Congratulations, Danielle. And that's our show. Ask Me Another's Puzzle Guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Mark Fluck. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now, Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Madeline Kaplan, Mary Tobler, and senior writers Josiah Madigan and J. Keith Van Stratton. Ask Me Another is produced by Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Denny Shin, Ramel Wood, and our intern Camilla Franklin, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Frank Bianco, and David Hurtkin. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, the Bell House. Hot Hill Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Harite Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. happy to hear you're still listening and since you're still here why not pop over to apple podcasts and write us a review we love to hear from you and it helps others find out about our show for additional information about new episodes upcoming live shows road shows and bonus games follow us on facebook twitter or instagram thanks Next time on Ask Me Another, Carrie Bechet talks about her role on the TV series Halt and Catch Fire and how it led her to become an advocate for girls in science. I feel like they took me there so that I could like inspire kids to uh, pursue science, and I was definitely you were the um, one that was much more inspired. <laughs> Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as Black experiences, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.